Okay, Rob. If hog freeze cheese was an actual cheese, I would <laughs> totally eat it. You would. And you want to know what the slogan would be for it? Hog freeze cheese! <laughs> and I'm Joe. And this week we're... Okay, great. Great start, Joe. Great. Perfect. Keep up the great You're the work. Best. What's going on, man? Uh, good talk. See you out there. Bye. You're doing great. <laughs> and I'm Joe. Nope. It was all like Walking Dead and Thombie... Uh, walking thombie de- themed? Wa- thombie, thombie themed? themed. It was Thombie themed. I love the Thombie theme. <laughs> Uh, it was, um, I can't say it, I can't say it. Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week we're talking about the first official Clash Royale tournament, some clan updates, and we'll wrap it up with a healthy feedback section. Nice. All right. So, um, did you have anything going on this week? Because I literally did nothing but play this game. That's all you did was just play the game? I mean, I, I ate, slept, and breathed a little. Did but- you work? Yeah, I did. I mean, I was the only one in the office, so I was kind of holding down the fort for a little while. You were the only one in the office for a full week? Uh, For um, three days out of the week, for sure. The last three days. Well, that's awesome. It was very intense. So you should have had a lot to talk about. Well, I mean, there were a lot of people in the office, but there there was only me for my team. So Mm. I had to deal with everyone else's work, which was fun. I could think of a lot of things I can do at work when there's nobody else there. Yep, and we're not going to reveal that stuff here. So, um, <laughs> nice. so did you do anything? I mean, I, I just had a, I had my friend's birthday party this weekend. That was really it. It was a surprise, but kind of a surprise. We just we got to get had to get together at um, one of our friends' house. He turned the big twenty nine. So two nine. Yeah, it was nice. uh, it was pretty cool. It was all Walking Dead themed. So he was he was kind of excited, and we had a cake and you know lots of beer. Do you still watch The Walking Dead? I do. I don't tell anybody else that because Why? apparently nobody else thinks it's a good show anymore. I'm just happy to keep watching it. I still like it. Well, you just told a bunch of people. I mean, you told me, only me, but a bunch of people are going to hear that. I forget all the time that other people listen to this. I always think it's just <laughs> don't me worry, and you. Don't worry, it's just you and me, dude. Sorry, dude. Just you and me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so other than my non-eventful weekend, how was your week? week? Week was good. I mean, I mention this every week, but... Just working a lot of hours. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, I think dude, I, you work I finally think this coming week is going to be the final ridiculous hour work week. This is the push. This is the yeah, green this mile. Is the push. Yeah. Um, but it was nice this week. I mean, I, I got a lot. I got a lot of time to play uh, Clash Royale. I went out to breakfast this morning with my fiance, and we went to IHOP. Did you do? Oh, that's cool. I love IHOP. Did you? So um, good. Did you guys do any wedding stuff this week? We did. Actually, we, so two things, mm-hmm. one of my, one of my best buddies getting married soon. So actually this afternoon we went to, um, Joseph A. Bank to get fitted for tuxes. Oh, okay. So my fiance and I, we, we previously picked out wedding invitations. Um, you know how it kind of comes in like a, have you ever gotten like a, a true wedding invitation where it's like all it, I don't know. It seems like there's yeah, like 15 different pieces it's, of they, cards. They that send come you in the whole like staple a, store. Yeah. It's like a packaged, like it's like you could you could literally take that and it seems like a novel when you get it. So I mean, 
that being said, we we picked out the invitations, and I guess this this weekend we didn't really like them that much, mm-hmm. so we decided that we were going to try and look for new invitations. And you'd think that the small stuff should just be like easy one two three decisions, but it takes forever to try and look online and try and figure out what you like. Yep, and what what you're going to commit to. I could imagine. So we thought we had that figured out. Now we don't. So we're kind of back to square one with that. But you know, we've got a lot of other things figured out. So you know, this is just a little kink yep that's okay well at least you're moving along um anything with uh clash royale real quick before we uh get into the nitty-gritty nope i think for for me this week was just a lot of hovering um i mentioned last week that i finally hit the 2k mark Mm -hmm. and i think for some reason for whatever reason um i'm not really progressing i'm not really falling but i'm just kind of hovering right around like 1950 to to 2050 it's like a hundred a hundred trophy range that's where i'm at I've been slowly trying to poke my head up to the 1900 range, which is pretty cool. And dude, I played my first game in the Royal Arena. You did? Yeah. How and good I, of a feeling was I it? Got, I got, well, I was in the car and it sucked because there was a lot of dead zones. Mm. So I destroyed his tower the first time and I was like, yes, I'm going to actually win the first game in the Royal Arena. And lo and behold, disconnect dead zone so I, just, <laughs> uh, I came back into the game my game froze and it was just like oh rob wait you think you wait oh you thought you were gonna win nope i came back and it was three crowned already that was clash royale giving you a quick smack in the face yep all the time so i've learned to not play this uh game in the car at a specific part on the new jersey turnpike so that's all <laughs> that i just learned happened this to week. me today yeah, so that's i all. totally feel your pain yep that's all i learned this week um but to get into probably some more important things that maybe other people would like to hear instead of us rambling, um, is um, we got two not necessarily huge news items, but we got a good one um, that was a, a continuation of a news item that we brought up last week, right? Yeah, I, th- I mean, you say that it's not that big of a news item, but I think this is a pretty, pretty big news item. I guess I just mean that it's not big that we heard about part of it already. Ah, uh, true. Yeah, so this week they, I guess... It was literally right after we originally spoke about it, mm-hmm. so it was kind of bad timing um, on our release from last episode. But I guess what they did, they being Supercell, they released some, I guess, additional color on what they kind of teased in last week's um, piece of news. So last week they mentioned tournament rules, right, where they were kind of capping, um, you know, the king level tower and, you know, various types of troops at different levels depending on what rarity they were. Right. and I think this week what they decided to do is it was kind of twofold. So one, they told us why they were doing that. Mm-hmm. And then two, they kind of gave us a look into the future as right. to what they were planning. So I found their why pretty interesting, right? Because I had the same question. They posed the question of why implement a cap over just increasing everybody's level to the max. Mm-hmm. That way everybody could have the best cards at the highest level that do the most damage and have the most hit points. And the way that they explained that was pretty interesting, I feel. If you were to take a person that just started the game mm-hmm. and put them against you, me, or anybody else that's played for a little while, and you raise them all to the max level, the person who just started the game isn't necessarily going to have any chance to win that game. Right. Unless there's severe beginner's luck, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't know how the cards work, they don't know how they work with one another, and they don't know how to counter anything. So what Supercell did is they said, well, they like the fact that it takes a little bit of time 
to play the game, understand the cards, figure out how they work, how they don't work, and use that experience and apply skill with that right. to have a more competitive match. So by capping the highest level people to a specific, um, I'd say, card level or crown tower level, they put everybody who has very high skill on the same playing field. And then they allow skill to take over. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'd have to agree with their logic. It's also nice that they let us in on um, like their thought process and, you know, explaining a little bit about the why, because I mean, like you said, you, you were definitely having that question um, all on your own. Um, but one thing that is different though, I think last week we had mentioned that the king level cap would be at eight. The common level would be at eight. Rare was something, epic was something, and legendary was something. So in the news that they just released, the only cap that stayed the same from last week is the legendary the cap, legendary which is level one. one. Yeah. Everything else went up by one level in cap, um, which I felt was pretty cool too, because, and, and actually I think they described that too, right? Well, I think they, did, they, they, they felt that the, the rare, I'm not the rare, the, um, the, uh, the legendary cards were already playing well um, in you know, with the regular tournament rules and they thought that they were already extremely strong. So I think it sounds like their thought process was instead of making legendaries the cap higher because they're already strong, even at just level one, let's raise everything else just a little bit. Yeah. So I think I the thought, first time around they underestimated how strong legendary cards actually were. Yeah. So now it looks like we're looking at a King level cap of nine, which I think we said it was eight last time. Mm -hmm. Um, common level cap is nine. Um, Rare level cap is seven, epic level cap is four, and as we said, legendary level cap is staying at one. Overtime length is obviously going to be three minutes, um, which will be the same. So, Correct. Um, the other big part of this, which I think is the thing that, I mean, the other stuff is really cool, but I think that this stuff is probably more relevant to everybody else that plays. Right. Um, they're going to be doubling the rewards inside of every crown chest. Um, so it's going to make it a little bit more rewarding every single time you uh, play those games and you grind those um, those arenas and you try really hard to work your way up the ladder. Um, it's like you're getting more bang for your buck, really. So you're doing the same amount of work and getting twice the amount of uh, goodies in each chest, which is pretty pretty cool. Yeah, when I, when I read this, I was, I was really happy to see it because, you know, for, Rob, for you and me, it's, we're very casual players. Mm -hmm. So we don't, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't always have four chests in my, in my screen that are kind of ticking time. Yeah, you me know what I mean? So for me, I look forward to these crown chests that rotate. Mm -hmm. you know, I'll be at the two free chests or the, the 10 crown, free, I guess, free chest. Um, so this makes it much easier for the casual player to get cards that they need in order to get higher level cards that you can use to then become more competitive. I think right now it takes a long time to kind of grind out if you're a very, very casual player. Mm -hmm. So this helps us a little bit. Yep, completely agree. Um, and then the next new thing that they talk about, um, which I thought was really sweet, um, was that they're going to kind of scale upwards how many cards you can donate and how many cards you can request within a clan. So currently you could only do, um, uh, what is it? You can request 10 commons or request uh, one rare, correct? Right. And it sounds like as you get to a higher arena now, you're going to be able to request more cards based on what arena you're in. Are you going to also be able to 
donate more cards? Like, I, can I donate more cards? I think so, yeah. If- so you'll be able to do um, six common cards as you get higher. So I think, I think they show you a basic thing for like um, the Royal Arena, which is Arena 7. So I think their highest level is going to be Arena 7 where you can request th- up to 30, co- well, 30 commons or three rare cards. And then to donate, you'll be able to donate six common cards or one rare. I find it really interesting that you can't request an epic card. Like not even at the legendary arena. Like if you get to the legendary arena, I feel like you should be able to at least request a rare, uh, an epic card. An epic card. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like why, why only limit it to commons and rares when to be honest with you, commons and rares often are in high level decks that win a lot of games. No, and they that's can, true. And they can overpower a full deck of epics. Honestly, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a way for them to sell more chests. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's really it. Um, and who can fault them for that? I mean, they're a business, right? So, um, all of these things and the things that we mentioned last week about spectator mode, um, it sounds like this update is, um, set to come out sometime early next month. So which is really cool. That should be pretty cool. It's a pretty, uh, pretty close. We're not too I just poor. can't wait for the donations because I feel like, I don't know, even for commons, like right now it's only 10, right? If you get your commons up to a level eight, you need 400 of them. No, right. I think that's level. why this is going to help a lot. So, I mean, if you can only request every eight hours, mm-hmm. just think about how many times you'd have to actually be in to request to get 400 different units. Yep. I mean, sure, you're getting chests too, but I'm just saying 10 isn't a lot. That's true. Um, anything else we want to say about this? I don't think so. All right, cool. So then the, um, the last thing, which again, isn't necessarily a big news item, but it's worth bringing up. Um, there were a couple of different articles um, about this all over the internet, but apparently Clash Royale is set to become the next billion dollar mobile game. I thought this was awesome. Yep. Um, I read the article and I think um, there was, there's some company called Nuzu who estimates earnings or revenues of um, applications. And they estimate that Clash Royale already has made $110 million. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's only been out for a couple months. So, I mean, I guess as long as they keep people's interest, which they seem to have, and if this thing ever became like a true eSport, which as we will get to the, the Helsinki tournament. They're trying. They're trying pretty hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first one was pretty cool. So if they keep people interested, I have no doubt in my mind that they're going to be the next $1 billion app. Yep. And the other cool thing is that it seems that Supercell has only lost a very, very, very small amount of players from Clash of Clans. So the game didn't necessarily make a huge impact on their other games. So these are all either new customers or people that are playing both. Yeah, it's interesting that they were able to find a way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much it. So we are going to get into um, our... Uh, I guess, review of the first official uh, Clash Royale tournament, which was set in Helsinki, Finland, correct? Helsinki, Finland. Yeah, so officially it was the Helsinki tournament 2016, so I don't, I don't know if they're going to do this every year, every couple months, but it was pretty cool. I'm, I'm assuming you got a chance to watch it. I thought it was really cool. The setup was kind of cool. Um, you know, it was the first time they ever did something like this, so it wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. but it was, it was really, it was really interesting to watch. They didn't, you know, none of it bored me, and I feel like they did a really good job with it. Yeah, it was nice to see. Um, it was nice to see a game that was that is played for a max of three to four minutes um, get kind of featured like this, which I thought was awesome because usually the esport games or the games that try to be esports are, um, you know, like StarCraft or 
even Hearthstone now is trying to do stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, I thought uh, the stage was really uh, over the top and exciting. Like that was fun. There were screens all over the place and the people who were in the tournament were sitting in like these kind of like white leather throne chairs, which were pretty cool. They look like stretch chairs, (laughs) right? They were like seven feet in the air. Yeah, they were awesome. Um, So so for those of you that did not get a chance to watch it, I'm sure you could find it. I think it's on that... um, uh, the link is on Supercell's website. Um, the The tournament started with uh, the 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 way that we had told you guys about it. You know, you had to send your email with your your gamer tag and your uh, your clan name. It, so, two hundred players were selected from, I guess, all the people that submitted to be a part of it. Uh, and w- they had it so that everybody was in like this giant auditorium, um, and then all of the players were just sitting in the auditorium. Uh, just playing on their mobile devices. So like everybody had like their iPad, their Android phones, their iPhones, every, everybody was there just playing their own games with their headphones on. And they didn't like show all of those games. They just showed like a quick little montage of all that stuff. Yep. And then we got to the final eight. So out of all 200 players, eight people wound up making it to the, you know, the final series. Um, and how it worked was you played, um, there was a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and then a final series. So essentially what happened was there were four games being played for the quarterfinal series, or C- I'll just call them series because it gets confusing because the announcers always call them games. Um, so there were four separate quarterfinal series, then there were two semifinal series, and then one final series. So I thought that the way that they did it was pretty cool. If you win the quarterfinal, you automatically get 1,000 euro. If you, 1, euro, yep, which is like a little over a thousand dollars in U.S. money. Semifinal winners get three thousand euro, and then the final champion gets ten thousand euro. So in U.S. dollars, what's that? Like almost a little over eleven. A little over eleven thousand. Yep, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And the coolest part was that they were using the special build of the game that includes spectator mode, which we're going to get next month. So it was yeah, so cool there was like a little sneak preview, happen, right? Yeah. There was a sneak preview of that, right? So I think for, you know, if you were watching this live, you could see on the top right hand corner whenever they would show mm-hmm. like an eyeball with like four different spectator people in it. Yep. And you're obviously one of them. I'm sure a modder and admin was part of it as well. But it was just cool to see how it was, because then, you know, that when you're playing the game, you're going to know that people are watching your game. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a sneak preview. It was cool to see how it would um, look in the game while you were playing. It looks very cool. It does. It looks clean. Because you they, get to see both nice sides of it. the cards. Right. Yeah, I think they did a really nice job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I didn't get to, like, I missed out on some of it um, because I had other stuff going on. But uh, they, at one point, they had over 72,000 people watching this. That's huge. Uh-huh. That says a lot for, I mean, even though people couldn't get to Finland, 72,000 people were, were absolutely interested in watching this. Right. And I think, I mean, you know, that's just one way or one piece of evidence that shows that a lot of people are interested in this game. Yep. Um, it's only going to grow. This is the first tournament Supercell held. And if they keep people's interest, that number is easily going to double next time. Yeah. And um, I think we want to real quick uh, pay tribute to all of the uh, people that wound up making it to the quarter, semi and final rounds. Um, so the final results for the quarterfinals, um, uh, was the series one was Nazim series two was steroidy 69. Um, series three was Jason. 
and series four was Elfie. So those were those four people automatically got a thousand euro. And they so they were the winners of the quarterfinals. Correct. So just to point out, um, the way that the series works mm-hmm. is that each player brings three different decks. Mm-hmm. And in order to win that series, you have to beat your opponent three different times. So if you have a deck and I have a deck, so let's just say you and I were in the game. Mm-hmm. How it would work is you and I bring three decks each. And if I win the first game, I have to keep my deck and you get to either have the choice of switch your deck or, or keep, keep it. the same deck again. Right. But inevitably, you have to beat me or I have to beat you three total times. Mm-hmm. So the total amount of games that this can go is five because I can beat you the first two. You can beat me the next two. So that's four total games. Then the winner of the next game wins the third match and moves on to the next um, next tier of the finals. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I guess if both players uh, hit a draw, they both have the option to change their decks. Um, and like you said, uh, each player had to have three decks with them. So there's no changing of individual cards within those decks. Whatever your decks were, they were final, but you can swap between different decks. Once you start the match. Correct. It seemed like everybody had the three decks and they were able to switch decks in between if they lost or got a draw. Or, uh, you know, if you win, you have to go into the next round with that deck. So that was pretty yeah. cool. So then, um, you know, as I mentioned, the quarterfinal finalists. Um, so then those four people faced off into two separate series. And the semifinal winners uh, were game uh, series one was Steroidy 69. And then series two was Jason. Um, and then if you guys got to check the end of it, the final series, the, the winner of them all, uh, was Jason. So congratulations to Jason. Um, 10,000 euros. Yeah. I mean, that's Got a little extra swag. That's pretty step. sweet. Yep, definitely. <laughs> um, and I thought that the most interesting part about this, which we'll go into is he used the same deck in every game he played. He went nine and oh. Yeah. So he <laughs> went, he used the same deck in every game he played mm-hmm. because he won every game and therefore was not allowed to change his deck. Correct. So he started every single match with the same deck, and because he won, he wasn't allowed to change his deck, and only his opponents had the option to change theirs to figure out if they had a better deck to beat that one with. <laughs> and turns out, they didn't. So why don't we, why don't we dive into his deck? Do you, do you know what cards he had? Yeah, so um, Jason had his deck featured only common cards and rare cards. It featured absolutely no epic cards or legendary cards, which, you know, we talk about this all the time about how like the, the basic cards or the cards that you get in the beginning of the game are probably the most important and you will eventually see them at the higher levels of the ladder. Just seeing this be the deck that not only made it into the tournament, but also took home the cash grand prize. That's pretty awesome and pretty serious. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I mean, for me, I always said, I can't wait until I get the best cards in the game. And in my, in my mind, those best cards in the game were all of the epics and all of the legendaries. Mm-hmm. That way I could make the crazy cool looking deck of the P.E.K.K.A., the Prince, the Dark Prince, the two legendaries, and, you know, the arrows and some minion horde or whatever. And, I, and maybe the free spell. And I thought that that would have been like the best. But we've always talked about the fact that the common level cards and the rare cards are in a lot of upper tier decks. And seeing this one do so well and just absolutely destroy those, I'd say, more rare decks was just awesome to see. 
And to be honest with you, I, I think it immediately after watching Jason do so well, I switched my deck. <laughs> yep. I made, I made it. this, I made this deck too, and I tested it out. I'm still getting used to it, but it does work really well. So, and I, so what was in his deck? Well, I think I'll preface this with, you know, try and make this deck for sure. But if just be aware that if some of your, um, uh, if some of your units or your cards, uh, aren't as high of a level as they should be for where you're trying to be in your arena, I think it's worth maybe using whatever deck already works for you. But just, so we'll go through the cards now. So you need, um, you need an Elixir Collector, you need the Minion Horde, a Hog Rider, uh, the Giant, Spear Goblins, Archers, Barbarians, and Arrows. So did you see how he was using this deck? Like, do you, did you see how each piece of this deck kind of fit into his strategy and how it was just unmatchable? I saw what he did was he would throw down his Barbarians right at the edge of the middle of the map, like on the left side or the right side, whatever tower he was targeting mm-hmm. and then he would drop either the hog rider or the giant right in the middle of them okay effectively making so two different things happen so let's talk about the giant first mm-hmm. right the giant's pretty slow right so if there's barbarians behind it pushing it forward it moves a little bit quicker that's true it does do that on top of that so it's getting to either the tower or the other building that maybe they drop down to you know distract it quicker even if it's by a little bit it helps it helps a lot the next thing is that he dropped them right in the middle so the barbarians go down he drops the giant right in between them all and effectively they they were a meat shield for the big giant that's walking directly to the tower Mm -hmm. and ready to deal massive amounts of damage and has massive amounts of hit points that's hard to kill so it didn't matter which side of the of the giant you know, his opponent dropped any minion on, the giant wasn't getting attacked until the barbarians were killed. So effectively making a meat shield for the big, meaty target. And I just found that that was such an effective way to use the card because then it just makes it really difficult for your opponent to deal with it. Yeah, and you know what? I think that the the thing that I like the most about this deck, um, or a couple of a couple of different things actually, um, he he kind of does what I do. He has one spell, arrows. I I don't have usually any more than that, and I'm I'm a pretty big advocate for the arrow spell. Um, I I just think that it's extremely versatile, and this right here just shows that because he needed no other spell to get this to push to the end of the games. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like when you have two other small minions, mm-hmm. like the archers and the goblins, mm-hmm. if, you, if you play the cards correctly and you use the meaty characters to soak up damage and you use the damage over time kind of cards to deal the damage like they're supposed to and not tank, you can effectively have similar impacts on the game. Like You don't need AoE type cards to do AoE type damage as long as you position your units correctly. Yeah, and I think that um, you know having things like the 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 bigger minion horde um, kind of do that for him, you know, because he has his arrows, which are his kind of splash damage, and they take care of the small units. But when you drop a minion horde on top of something that's like a big unit, it has a as long as they don't take it out with arrows, that'll help destroy a very tanky uh, ground unit like another giant or. Um, you know, like a giant skeleton or something like that. So I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the part, the thing I like best about this deck is the fact that most of the cards 
it's going to force him to put down one of his best answers to it, to answer that card. So like the cards that he was playing force his opponent to play some of their best cards to deal with that card. And so especially, example, especially right in the beginning. Right. So for example, if you drop down a giant right at the edge of the map, the opponent has to answer and has to respond to that card. Yep. They either have to drop down another big unit that will deal more damage to it or figure out a way to get the building to do enough damage to kill it. The problem is that once I see, or once he saw, I should say, the units that were answering the big giant, he just threw down whatever he needed to, the minion horde, or the goblins and the archers, to deal whatever damage he needed to deal. Yeah, and are you? did it make you really happy when you saw that the guy that won used the hog rider? Hog rider! <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Oh, and that brings me back to my other point. So, when you drop barbarians right down, and then he would also put the hog rider in between them. So now, this is kind of reverse, right? So before, the barbarians were quicker than the giant, and they mm-hmm. pushed the giant along. In this way, the hog rider is obviously faster than the barbarians, so it effectively pushed two of them quicker to the tower. Right. But then it had the same neat shield impact. The barbarians were not allowing his opponent to kill the hog rider, which is the card that the opponent wants to kill once it's dropped. Right. And the other thing I think that, you know, you were kind of saying was having the barbarians around the uh the hog rider makes it so that the hog rider actually gets to the tower quicker too. Because right. it, it's not being it's not being blocked by other units. Like the barbarians are kind of like uh, plowing the way for the for the hog rider to actually make it to the tower. So yeah, I that's th- a really th- that was a really cool way of using that. Because I mean, normally we see the hog rider get used a lot with the freeze spell. Yeah, that's right. This had no- nothing like that. It just he w- this was a brute force deck, and it wasn't. It's not expensive to make. Overall, I think that this is an, a a really cool way for other people to just be like oh, that's a really simple deck. I can try and make that and just make it and see what happens. Sure. I think for me, I saw this deck, you know, he, he, when, when he was in the quarterfinals, I saw this deck and I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good mm-hmm. deck. Um, I did notice that it had no legendaries or epics, but for me, I thought that it wasn't overly viable. Like at first look, this deck does not seem powerful. No, it, it doesn't. It seems like it would be weak to air. It seems like it would get destroyed by the baby dragon, especially for the mm-hmm. low hit point archers and the... Yep. Um, and the spear goblins but when you put this deck into practice yeah the hog rider and the giant Mm -hmm. soak up so much damage along with the barbarians if you need them to that your minions in the back the archers and the and the spear goblins are doing so much damage yeah and shouldn't be getting any damage done to them because of how much stuff is in front of them and the cool thing is that when you throw out you know, if you try and do some of what he was trying to do, Jason, while he was playing, if you throw out the giant, that's a five elixir card. And then the hog rider is four. So you have one left over to kind of, after you've thrown out two awesome units, you're building your way up to maybe get those spear goblins out on the field by just one more elixir. Very quickly too. Yes, I know. Or if you're not trying to throw all of your units on the one side of the map, what he would do is he would throw out the he would throw out the giant and the hog rider, and he mm-hmm. would let them s- sit on the right side of the map. Oh, and by the way, one thing that I noticed he did every single time, if he threw out the giant and the hog rider at the same exact time, okay, he always threw the giant out first, and then the hog rider second. So I thought that that was interesting for two reasons. 
one because. Well, wait. Let me ask you. Let me ask a question before you even go sure. into that. When he threw out the giant, where did he throw him out again? Right in the so either the right or left side of the map, but mm-hmm. right at the right at the front of the right at the like middle. where the river is. Yeah, right in the middle where the river is. Okay, we'll always call it the river, whether there's gears or anything else in there. Yeah, it's, it's just easier that way. Yeah, it's the river. So he would throw him for for sake of argument on the right side by the river, and he would always throw the giant out first, and then the hog rider behind it. Two reasons. One, the giant's obviously very slow. Hograd is very fast. So just like the barbarians push the giant, not as quickly as the hog rider pushes the giant, effectively getting them both there in a very short period of time. The second thing is that the giant has so many hit points. So if you can get the giant to soak up the damage while the hog rider and the giant are both getting to the tower at the same time, you're effectively getting all the damage that you need in. Yep, and then... You also have, he also had his, uh, his arrow spell, which is like the, the cheapest spell you could have that does a pretty good clear, especially if someone's trying to throw more goblins or other, uh, minions on top of that, the hordes right. and that does just take those. That's out. a really great point, Rob, right? Like if, if you drop the giant or if somebody drops the giant in front of you and you're the opponent, what is your answer? A lot of small minions to, to answer it, or maybe one card, which is like the minion horde, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. anything with small amounts of hit points that can kill the big unit quickly, the arrows take them out. So it's a perfect way to answer that. Yes, they do. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, I mean, like I said, a, a very underestimated deck, I think, when we first saw it. I agree. But I guess, what would you say are the key cards? So what, are the, what would you say are the key cards in this deck? This deck features what card or cards? I think that this deck only works the way that it works because of the Elixir Collector. So you wouldn't say that this deck features the Giant and Hog Rider? No, I would. But I'm not saying that that's the highlight of the deck. So you think so, that it features the Elixir Pump? No. So I agree with you that it, the highlights of the deck are the Giant and the Hog Rider. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that it need, that, Those are the two that make this deck shine. Sure. Let me put it that way. The thing this deck needs is the elixir collector. That's a good point. Because it doesn't it doesn't work without that card. He needs to be able to build up elixir faster than his opponent and the opponent might also have an elixir collector, but it gives him enough where he can throw out the big cards at the same time. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think for me, a lot of people have a strategy to kind of wait until 1 minute passes by or 2 minutes pass by <clears throat> so you're in the um the double elixir portion of the game, right? Right. But this deck didn't require that at all. He was always mm-hmm. able to be on the offense and always had his opponent on the back foot. And I think that it's because of the elixir collector that that's allowed to happen because he doesn't need to wait until the double elixir comes out to have that um, effect on the game. Well, right. Think about it. I mean, you know, I don't remember exactly every single game that he played, but let's let's just put this in perspective, right? So like at the beginning of your turn, when you first start playing, especially if you have an elixir collector, you usually wait until you have almost 10. And when you have 10, if you have the elixir collector as one of your first cards, that's going to be one of the first things you throw out probably, right? So if you did that, you now use five elixir, which leaves you with five left over. That gives you enough to throw out either the hog rider or the giant. Right. So even if you waited and you wanted to build up more elixir, you can now throw out your giant, which cost five. And then you're waiting for a couple more elixir, which is going to be for the hog rider is going to be four. So it's not going to take you nearly as much time to get that because you have the collector there with you. And then right after that, you'll probably have enough to be able to throw out the spear goblins or the um, 
the the archers. So you, effectively, you have the ability to make a huge splash very quickly, and it feels like it came out of nowhere to the opponent. I think. Yeah, no, I I I completely agree, and I think the the coolest thing about this deck is the fact that it mixes small and big minions very well. So there's no yep. single card that's going to have an impact on all of them in the same way. There's no, no there's no easy answer for all of them when they're all on the battlefield at the same time. And he quite often got them all out on the battlefield, except for maybe the Barbarians, at the same time. Right, they all work together. And I think um, probably... I mean, we talked about everything else with this deck. I think the most important thing to point out for everybody that maybe want to build this deck, which you should, Joe and I endorse that, please do it. Um, the average elixir cost is four. Four elixir. Uh-huh. So it's four. And with the elixir pump is awesome. right in the middle of where you want to be, right? I mean, you technically want to be anywhere between 3.7 and maybe 4.3, pushing 4.5 is the most you would probably ever want to do. I feel like 4.5 is even high, but if you have an I elixir pump- I think it depends. Pump, that's okay. No, that's when you would need that. Right, exactly. So now you're taking that really high-end scale and pulling it down to four, and this deck has the elixir pump. Right. Okay. All right. So we're going to, you know, we talked a lot about uh, what made Jason's deck um, so amazing. Um, let's talk a little bit about what went on with uh, the decks that Steroidy used in the final match against Jason. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but he used all three of his deck slots. Yeah, and you'll notice that all three, when we kind of dive into these, all three decks couldn't be any different than one another. They are all very different decks. So um, the first deck that we have um, is he used a Mortar, an Elixir Collector, an Ice Wizard, Zap, Skeletons, the Tesla, Inferno Tower, and Minion Horde. So Joe, out of all of those cards that I mentioned, what stands out to you the most? I think for this one, Jason's deck is very good at killing towers, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's also very good at killing buildings. And I think in this specific deck from Steroidy, isn't there are four cards that are building cards. Yeah, half the deck is buildings. And none of the cards, other than the Inferno Tower and the Minion Horde, are good answers for the Giant. Yep. Now the problem and with those two cards is that in Jason's deck, they're countered, both of them, very well with either the Hog Rider, because the Hog Rider can take out the Inferno Tower pretty quickly, mm -hmm. and the Minion Horde gets destroyed by the Arrows. So. No matter what happened with Steroidy, no matter what answer Steroidy threw down, Jason had a better answer for those cards. Correct. And I think that another big thing is, I know we talked about like having uh, four buildings, but it only has one spell. So he only used the Zap spell. Right. And the Zap spell which, is not as we do know, much. doesn't do that much to the units that Jason would be using the whole time. To the featured cards that he's using in this deck. Right, which we talked about was Hog Rider and the Giant. So they're not doing that much at all. Right. So he would normally, he, what he would try and play these on the Minion Horde, the Archers, and the, um, and the Goblins. The problem is that if he's, if he's wasting Zaps on the Minions, they're not going to die. The Minions won't die. They'll have like 5 to 10% health left. Mm -hmm. It might kill the Goblins and the Archers, but he's effectively not dealing with the two cards that he needs to deal with in order to stay alive, which are the Giant and the Hog Rider. Right, and I, you know, it's worth pointing out, we said that Jason's deck was, his average elixir cost was four. This deck is 3.6. So it's a deck that technically can be played, it can be played faster, but if it doesn't have the key components of what it needs to combat the other person, it's not going to do anything. So and I don't think forget that the elixir pump is in Jason's deck. So even though he's 
at a higher elixir average. Right. In a game that plays long or in a game that just goes the normal amount of time. He can pump quick cards out quicker. Right. So it's effectively even in that sense. Yep. So that was the first deck. And then the second one that he used was... Honestly, I don't know why he just didn't either stick with the deck that he originally used or the third deck that he has. So the second deck that he used was the the regular P.E.K.K.A., Goblins, the Princess, um, the Freeze Spell, the Tesla, the Wizard, the Three Musketeers, and then the Fireball Spell. Now, when you look at this deck, it seems like it's probably really good, right? Against Jason's deck. At On first, paper, yeah. this thing looks great. The problem is that what's the... Rob, what's the uh, elixir average of this of this deck? I put this deck together before. It's 4.8. 4.8. That's an extremely heavy deck. And <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have very high. and it doesn't have an elixir pump. So That's way too high, dude. We said it should be between 3.7 and 4.3 pushing 5 ever. And if you're at 4.3, 4.5, you should have an elixir pump. Correct. This one does yep. not. Correct, especially if you're playing with something like the Three Musketeers, which costs nine. Yeah, so there's two cards that this deck features, right? What would you say they are? The pe- Three Musketeers and right, Pekka. Right, the Pekka and the Three Musketeers. So the Three Musketeers are most effective if they're dropped in the middle of the battlefield by the river. Mm. The yep. Pekka is most effective if it's dropped all the way in the back because it takes so long to deploy and you need some time for it to kind of rev up before you can throw it right. down. So this deck doesn't match up well against jason's because the pekka had to be thrown down all the way in the back and as soon as it would be thrown down jason would pick the other side of the map and throw his giant right at the river along with the barbarians or the hog rider and both of those cards would effectively get to the get to his tower get to his opponent's tower before the opponent's pekka even made it halfway Probably even across got to the, the other river. side of the map <laughs> yeah. so the other thing about this deck is that it only has one building so the only way to offset the, the hog rider and the giant was the Tesla. The problem with the right. Tesla is that it has very small amounts of hit points. So this deck just did not work. To, and to you know what Jason. else, dude? The, uh, the two featured cards like almost never could be played together. Oh, no, you'd have to wait until your P.E.K.K.A. got halfway across the map, and then you had nine elixir, so then you mm-hmm. could throw down the, the three musketeers right behind it. But by that time, yeah. you have no answer for the hog rider and giant combo that he's throwing down on the other side of the map. I agree. I agree. And I think that this deck, you know, I'm no expert. I didn't go to this tournament. But I think that this deck probably could have, he, he probably could have kept the P.E.K.K.A. and the Three Musketeers in there. I think the problem with this one is, is that, honestly, I would pick, I would probably pick the Wizard. And I would probably put the Elixir Collector in for that. Right, because then the Elixir cost stays the same, right? Because the Wizard and the Elixir Pump have the same amount of cost. But yep. you get the and now you have benefit. two buildings, <laughs> and now you have two buildings. Right, two buildings to offset the hog ride and the giant. But then also mm-hmm. you get the benefit of the pump to pump out some more. Um, no pun intended, to, or maybe pun intended to pump out some troops <laughs> quicker. Right. Yeah. So overall, and I just I, think that this deck was a poor choice to answer Jason's deck. He should have either stuck with the first deck or just went right to the third. Completely agree. Um, and then the last deck, which again couldn't be more different from the other decks that we were looking at. Um, consists of, well, has an average elixir cost of 3.8. So now we're, now we're getting down into the realm where we can actually have a playable deck, which is pretty good. Um, but it featured, uh, the Tesla, the minion horde, the hog rider, the fireball spell, barbarians, zap, goblins, 
and the freeze spell, which if you were counting along with us, that would be one building, four units, and three spells. Yeah, so this was very spell heavy. Yep, and also went uh, a little light on the buildings again this time, you know, especially going up against a giant and you need to distract it. But I think that this deck probably had the most promise. Yeah, I think if, if there was any deck that had the best chance to win against Jason's deck, it was this one. It, uh, it has the most amount of unit cards, but it, like, it, like you said, it's, it's, it's pretty spell heavy. So I think the thing with this one is getting rid of at least one of those spells would probably help. And I think the problem with this deck is that it doesn't have any sort of tank type unit, right? right so it just has a lot of units that do a lot of damage. Um, a lot of cards, I should say, that do a lot of damage other than the free spell. The free spell is more control oriented, mm-hmm. um, albeit to stop them from killing your tower, stop them from killing your units, or stop them from stopping you from killing their, your, their towers, <laughs> right? Um, tongue twister, right? Huh? That, that was difficult. But anyway, yeah. I think for, for me, it's just it, it's too much damage per second. There's not a card in here that soaks up any damage. And in my opinion, if you have a, a, a deck of all cards that just deal damage, deal damage, deal damage, but there's nothing to prevent your cards from dying, then you're not going to win the game. Right. Unless the other opponent, unless your opponent has an all-in deck as well, and you kind of just see who attacks the face the quickest and who just wins the game, um, that might work. But if you, your opponent is taking more of a sit back and let a card take all, tank all the damage while... Mm-hmm. All these other cards are just dealing damage in the meantime. You're, you're not going to win against that. Yeah, and personally, I would probably say I would take out the Zap out of all three of these spells and just leave Freeze and Fireball, and I would probably put in something, you know, like Jason did. I would probably go with the Giant, or you know what? Even better, the Giant Skeleton would probably even do better yeah, in this deck I, I, because it can attack. I agree. Like, the Freeze is a great card to have because it's control-oriented. And when Jason was playing, everybody was getting overwhelmed by how quickly the cards were getting up and close into the towers, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the freeze would kind of control that a little bit, slow the game down a little bit, and allow his cards to get some damage in. The, the fireball is really good because it, it can effectively kill the minion horde, the, um, Bar- the minion barbarians. Horde, the barbarians. It might not kill the barbarians, but it'll get them very, very low. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a very viable card. I think, like you said, if there was a card in there that you could throw in and just make sure that it just clears the rest of everything else, mm-hmm. the giant skeleton's that card. Yep, and the cool thing is that if he had the skeleton, he would be able to use his freeze spell when the skeleton dropped his bomb. Right. On, you know, and then and then the uh, Jason had almost all ground units, so he probably just could have froze it right over the bomb, and then the bomb would go off and clear the well, board. The bomb kills the air units too. Yeah, you're oh, you're right. Yeah, I always forget that. So yes, then it would pretty much take care of everything. That would be like his default. Oh well, you're not going anywhere if I can't get past right. you. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So um, I mean that that pretty much does it for all the stuff that we saw. Do you have um? What would you say was probably like your biggest takeaway from the 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 style of play that we saw um, and some of the strategies that you got to see by players that were on the high ranking and the low ranking? Because everybody was there. I think for me, the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway was that for the longest time, I, I told you that this week for me was just hover, right? Yep. Um, it was because I wasn't finding a deck that worked and I just kept trying a bunch of new decks that had a bunch of epics in it that I thought were maybe a little bit more powerful that would get me to the next bracket. Um, The problem is that I couldn't find anything that worked. And from this, I found 
that if you just keep it simple and you just think brute force, you can win the game. You don't have to play a controlled style game. You don't have to play a slow and tempo type game. If you just make your opponent react to your actions, they will always be on the back foot. And I think that's what Jason did throughout this entire tournament with one deck. And it clearly worked because he went nine to no. I mean, I don't know what he went the, the, you know, versus the other 200 players or when he was in that kind of group, but when it mattered most versus the best players (laughs) in the tournament, he went nine to no. And I think, you know, the, the biggest reason why he won all those games was because that all the cards played well together and the people that he was facing, they didn't have as much synergy in their decks. No, I just think, I just think that some people played the, you know, hog freeze cheese combos. Other people played the, <laughs> as Cowboy Coffee would say, other people played the Mortar, Telsa, or Tesla, and uh, Inferno Tower combo, which I hope goes away. But, yep. I, you know, f- for me, this is the kind of deck that I want to play. Um, it has all the pieces to the puzzle that I'm looking for. And as I mentioned before, I copied it immediately. I don't care <laughs> if I'm yep. in the meta. I just want to win some games. Right. And then um, that pretty much does it for our coverage for uh, the tournament. Helsinki. Um, Yeah, Helsinki. Um, So uh, the last thing we wanted to do before we get into our emails and reviews section was just go over a couple of clan. uh, I call them announcements, right? So just a couple of things we want to say to our clan. So uh, the first thing uh, that we want to tell you guys is there is a new section on our website. Um, the, The tab is just called clan. Um, and there you'll be able to take a peek at how our clan is doing. Um, it is not automatically updated. We have to update it for you. Um, so you can see it, but we're going to try and update it as, uh, as often as possible to keep it very relevant. Um, but we just wanted to give you guys a heads up that that is now there. Um, and this actually leads into the second part of uh, our clan announcements, um, because this helps us to prepare for what, Joe? So, well, first of all, if you want to see our, if you want to see our website, head over to castroyalepodcast.com and the specific page that Rob mentioned is now at castroyalepodcast.com slash clan. Um, and the cool thing that we're trying to figure out and we're, we've been talking um, amongst ourselves and also with a couple of people in the clan, eventually we want to expand. Um, and so what this page allows us to do is give everybody a one-page spot, a one-stop shop to see how many clans we have, what the names of those clans are, how many spots are open. Um, It'll also tell them what the clan names are, which are important if you want to join them. Um, But if you check it regularly, you can see when spots are open. That way you can more easily join. Right now we only have 50 spots, which is very limited for the amount of people that probably want to join. Um, (laughs) And I think we saw that the other day, right, Rob? Because we... we, um, we did something new for the first time. Yeah, we started doing, um, I mean, every week. So how it works is the clan um, donations get reset every week. So, you know, just to kind of keep uh, making sure that everybody is still playing. And it was nice because the people that were in the clan uh, pretty much agreed with us that um, there needed to be a way to make sure that everybody was staying active. Um, so we made it so that everybody needed to make sure that they made at least one uh, donation within the clan before every Saturday of each week. And we would just go through and anybody that has uh, a zero donation, uh, unfortunately would be kicked from the clan. But I mean, I think that the point of that is 
theoretically, they weren't necessarily playing or they weren't really part of what we were trying to build here. So luckily, the first time we ever did it, we only needed to get rid of four people out of the 50. So I think that that says a lot about the people that do contribute in this uh, in this community. And we thank you for being a part of it because it's not the same without you. Yeah. And I think I'll caveat that with two things. We're not just kicking people just to kick people. If people are on vacation or they're busy, that's not the point. The, the, the point of it is we're trying to build and maintain an active community of players that learn and grow together. Um, and to be fair, since we don't have a lot of space in the clan, if you're not active, it's not fair to other people that want to join. So um, we kind of implemented this to, you know, it should be easy for people to get one donation in. And if you don't have one, there should be a reason for it. Correct. And if we know about it, then we're, uh, we're all good. So that pretty much does it for our clan uh, updates. The last thing we wanted to go to, or the last thing we wanted to go into were our emails and reviews. Um, so this week we got four emails. Um, so the first one was from Lori W. Um, and she writes, uh, tournament rules. Hi guys. I love the show. Uh, just wondering if you had seen the blog post about tournament rules and what you think of their proposed level caps. And then she gives the link. Um, I think it's interesting, at least in the sense that it gives you an idea what appropriate level gaps between common, rare, etc. levels uh, should be in your deck. Like, based on this, I would want to phase out an epic that was level 1 or 2 if my commons and rares were at 8 and 6. Would love to hear your thoughts. Lori. Yeah, so I thought this was a really cool email. I mean, for the tournament rules, we spoke about it last week and a little bit more today. Um, but for me, the coolest part about it is that it really does emphasize the different power level of different cards at different levels, right? So if you have a level nine, based on the new um, news that we spoke about, mm -hmm. if you have a level nine common card and a level one epic, the level nine cap, the, I'm sorry, the common cap is nine, right? Right. Whereas the epic cap is, is three. Is three. So if you have a capped card already, but your epic is still level one and not level two or level three, mm -hmm. your common level nine is probably better to include in your deck. And it's probably best to phase out the level one epic until it gets to a level three. Right. Um, so I thought this was really cool. I tried making some changes to my deck uh, this week to see how that kind of played out. The problem <laughs> with that I found is most of my epics are level one, mm. whereas most of my commons are level seven or eight. So I think this proofed it out pretty, pretty well, because when I tried putting in a bunch of epics that were level one, I started losing a bunch of games. But when I included all of my commons that were either seven or eight, almost at the cap, the power level is obviously higher. And therefore, I, I, had a, I felt like I had a better chance to win in those games. Right. Uh, that makes sense. Um, and then the next email that we got was from Aaron B, who writes, Hey guys, I have a question for you. So I really enjoy a lot of games that can get quite competitive, such as Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering. Because of this, I tend to try to make my decks as efficient as possible. So are there cards that are simply better than others? And what is the best way to maximize the quality of my deck? Side note, have you guys considered doing a deck spotlight where you take a deck that is strong this patch and break it down explaining each card in it and how to play it? Great show. You guys sound like professionals already. So this email was great. I think it had two really good points. Um, the first was wondering which cards are better than others and which ones are more efficient than others. And we responded to Aaron um, with, it depends. Um, it kind of depends on what cards you have, um, what cards you like playing with. And... Um, and, and then we can kind of say, 
okay, well, if you have this card and you like it, here are cards that go with it, um, and here are cards that kind of go okay with it, but maybe aren't as efficient. So um, in order to make this a little bit more specific, we're kind of waiting to hear back from Aaron. Um, but the second part of this is the side note. So the side note is actually really cool. Um, this feature is something that, Rob, you and I have been talking about a lot um, yep. recently, but we didn't have a really cool name for it. So we've been thinking of ways that we can kind of take really good decks in the current meta um, and ways people can play those cards and how they should work well and kind of synergize with one another, but also ways that you can counter it. And we kind of did that with, um, you know, Jason's deck and Steroidy 69's deck yep. um, or multiple decks that he had just to kind of kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, but we didn't have a really cool name for it. So one thing that we are going to do in future casts is have a, a quote unquote deck spotlight section where we break down one or two um, strong decks in the current meta, how the cards in them can be used and why they work so well, but also how you can think about countering them. Correct. So um, Aaron, thank you for the email and thank you for helping coin that section of our show. So everybody else heard it here first, Aaron B. Deck Spotlights. Deck Spotlight. Yeah. Cool. The next email that we got was from Artie. Um, Artie. Artie writes, how do I join your clan? I'm a big fan of the podcast. Funny story about Artie. He found the way to join the clan. He found Because he just joined this morning. Yep. And we, we, uh, we gave him directions and uh, he was able to do that fairly quickly, which was very impressive. So welcome to the clan, Artie. Glad um, to have you. Yep. And then the next email that we got is from Colton J. He says, hey, Colton here. Just wondering if you would accept me into the clan. I enjoy your podcast. What I want to hear on the show is you guys talking about your own experiences in the game and maybe do a few battles and commentate on them. That would be interesting. Thanks. And he also joined our clan, correct? That's right. Yep. And uh, yeah, we, um, we may or may not. Uh, we, we, um, we've been talking about doing something like this. Um, I think the hardest part about it is you have to be pretty good at announcing stuff as soon as it happens. So, uh, if we ever figure out a way to do that where it doesn't sound dopey on our end, then yeah, absolutely. We will, uh, probably look into commentating on a few battles. Sounds cool, but couldn't agree more. Yep. Um, and then, uh, the last thing we want to go into is, uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, and like we always say, um, leaving us a five-star review on iTunes helps us, uh, reach more people. So you could not help us, um, more unless you did that. So if you do do it, thank you. Um, and if you're thinking about doing it, please do, please do it. Um, so we got three iTunes reviews this week. Um, and one of them actually, uh, Joe, we, you and I signed up for a new service. Um, and now I kind of feel like, a uh, a butt for not bringing this up uh, when it actually happened because we got a five-star review from um, someone named Kennedy Club um, and we never shouted him out because it was from Canada and on the U.S. store we don't see any other uh, iTunes reviews from other countries so we're we're now part of a new service so we got to see this review and we'll see other non-U.S. Uh, reviews now so this review says boom this is Boom. the easiest five-star rating I've ever given. I'm blown away, pun intended, by the level of professionalism, clear communication, quality, and organization of this podcast. I could not recommend it enough for any Clash Royale player, no matter how casual or competitive the level of your play is. Keep going, guys. You truly have something special here. I wish we saw this when it first came out because the title alone made us very excited. I read the review <laughs> and all I, like I read the review and all I thought about the whole time was just boom. Yep. 
every sentence that I read, I just said the word boom after. And because it was just like emphasis, this made me feel so good. So Kennedy Club, whoever you are, wherever you are in Canada, thank you very much for the kind words and for listening to the podcast. We're glad you like it. And we really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Um, and then the next review uh, is from one of our clan members. Um, How do you pronounce that, Rob? I think, <laughs> I, sorry, dude, if we're butchering your name. Um, it is Mezegus, I think. Mezegus. 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 Whoever, know. however uh, you pronounce it, yeah. they know who they we're are. Just, we're just bad at names, <laughs> We just I butchered guess. it. Yeah, sorry, dude. Uh, so he says, nice to have casters we can relate to. Loving the cast, guys, and the casual atmosphere. I have watched the game played elsewhere, and those players always have maxed cards and legendaries to play with. It's nice to hear from people like myself who haven't dumped thousands of dollars on a phone game. I look forward weekly to your next cast and just wanted to say keep up the good work. One thing for sure, we all want to spend a couple of dollars on this game, but Rob, I think as we can both attest to, uh, we're trying not to. We're holding right? back. We're holding, holding back. back. Yeah. So, so. Um, we are trying to keep it casual. We're glad that feels coming along well, and um, we uh, we appreciate you listening. So then the last one um, was from Espo. Espo. Um, and he writes, great sound and chemistry. First, I'd like to thank you all for the shout out and for making such a great cast. You sound great and work well on air. Keep up the great work and continue having fun. Espo from Legend of the Innkeeper. The piece that got me uh, most excited from that review was keep up the great work and continue having fun. Um, I know that's Espo's kind of tagline. Um, what's, what's the exact words, Rob? Fun guaranteed. Fun guaranteed. So for us, this whole thing is just to have fun. We want to keep having fun. We never want to make this into a full-time job. We want to impact as many people as we possibly can while being casual and just having fun. I think that's the element of it that we enjoy the most. Um, so... That's our goal, and, and, and we're happy that it's kind of coming along that way. Yeah, and um, that's, that does it for all of the uh, emails and reviews, and that pretty much wraps up the show, too. Um, and speaking of making sure that this doesn't become a full-time job, um, we are actually going to be taking the next week off. Uh, Joe and I both have a lot of stuff going on um, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Life so gets in the way. It does. Um, but rest assured that we will be back. Um, we're aiming more towards the last week of April, um, it might push into the first week of May, but we're, we're trying really hard to shoot for the end of April. Um, but we'll be back, uh, probably with arena roundup part three. Um, and hopefully if the new update comes out, we'll probably cover that. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of play our puzzle pieces as we go. Cause it depends on how big those, uh, announcements really are. Right. But in the meantime, oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and, uh, in the meantime, we are going to, uh, put this, uh, Put this break to good use. We are going to be uh, working on some cool goodies for you guys. Um, we're looking into uh, making a Patreon um, so uh, we can uh, do some cool stuff for you. Um, we're probably going to look into making like a Facebook group or something like that. Um, but rest assured, we are going to be working on other things other than just recording. So um, it should be good. Including the website, which is pretty awesome. Yep. Um, and what's, uh, give them the address again, just so they know. If you want to reach out to us on our website, visit us at castroyalepodcast.com. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us at our new email address, which is feedback at castroyalepodcast.com. Our old email address will still work. We'll still get your emails. Those will be forwarded to us. 
Um, but our new email address is feedback at castroyalepodcast.com mm-hmm. where we're, we've been getting a bunch more emails and we are loving them. Um, they're giving us a lot of good input. So, right. And, um, if, if, um, if you don't remember the email address at some point, uh, throughout your week, uh, you can always go and fill out our contact form on our website. That's another way to get in touch with us. And as always, please follow us on Twitter at podcast Royale. Yep. And, uh, that's all we got guys. So, um, until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.